how the how the heck did Jerry O'Connell ever get Rebecca Romaine to marry him? Yeah. What did he do? Did Sliders. He just, did, he, did, he, <laughs> did he do scenes from Stand By Me? Yeah. I don't know. But he was the fat kid in Stand By Me. That's right. Oh, it's so terrible. You know, this is episode 62 of On Taking Pictures. Can you believe that, Bill? Yes, I can believe it, because I've been here for the first 61. And a pleasure all. (laughs) (laughs) So we're here each and every week talking about uh, photography, the art and science of making images. Uh, Let's face it, lots of other stuff, too, besides photography. Yeah. Sometimes we don't even get to photography. Sometimes we... We, 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 we get stuck on other things and that's just fine. With we me. get stuck at picking up the bag. That's right. That's right. <laughs> What's in your bag? You don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris from fadedandblurred.com and with me, uh, becoming fancier by the day. Oh, please. Bill Wadman. How, wait, how am I fancy now? Hey, oh, come on now. Fancy photographer slash cinematographer. Oh, cinematography, cinemashmography. I'm 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 a hack, but I'm getting there. Come on, I I I love the latest film. I I wrote dialogue for this one. It was exciting. Yeah, you did. Uh, and uh, and I you know I wrote out some dialogue, and then my actress friend Lindsay came over, and she was going to do it with me, and I said, look, I. I want you to, I wanted to say something like this. And she sat down and read it. And I was like, please don't be too hard. She goes, I think it's great. She goes, I just want to make like three little changes. <laughs> nice. Like, okay, cool. Let's make those changes. And it, you know, we recorded a voiceover and then we went downstairs and shot in the cafe. And then I came up and edited. So it was fun. Yeah. Probably my favorite one so far. And, and not just because I have Lindsay hanging on my wall. Uh, you do. She's in a party, that yep. picture that's on your wall. Um, so yeah, she's a, she's a, I've known Lindsay now for, well, six years, which is saying something. And I've seen a number of movies in which she either gets kills or kills people or eats hearts or Lindsay's in a lot of like horror movies and things. This one called the theater bazaar, which is on, you can watch it on Netflix. Uh, it's like a series of five or six short stories. And Lindsay's like the star of the last one where she, uh, turns this one guy who really just wants to be with her, like this, like boyfriend of hers who she wants nothing to do with. She turns him into like human foie gras and she like forces food down his throat Eek. until he gets so big that they take him into this room and they slaughter him and they all start nope. eating away. Nope. Yeah. She's, nope. <laughs> this is, it's, it's really rough, but, uh, nope. But yeah, does she have a good horror scream? Does she have that? Yeah, she has that, and she has looks. And she, first time I saw her get killed, she was like a hubcap smashing her face in right no nope, it was, it was for good me. stuff anyway not so much so uh so yeah thank you for enjoying the one where i turned her into a serial killer but um yeah oh great there. now you've just spoiled uh, it thanks well it's two minutes long i don't think there, <laughs> there's not much of a wait um Ugh. so i just wanted to say something up front which is that uh we got a couple we love getting feedback from you guys we love getting emails yeah, from you guys we got a bunch of good emails which we'll get into in a minute um but I just wanted to say up front, because we say it at the end, but we don't always say it up front. Podcast at ontakingpictures.com is an email address that'll write to both of us. Yes. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter at, at Bill Wadman and at Jeffrey Sidoris. And uh, I think those are the important ones, right? I think so. Okay. Yep. So I just want to say that up front. I also wanted to say that, look, look if you like the show, uh, tell your friends. 
You know, if you have a blog, if you have Twitter, if you have Facebook, if you have uh, you're a member of a photo group, you do photo walks, say you guys check out on taking pictures because we love new listeners and uh, the those of you out there who really love the show, we would love more of you to listen. So that's that. Um, all right. So last week was a heavy episode. Yes. And Good. we got Good episode. Yeah, but we got a lot of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got multiple emails. We got tweets. We got writings on the Google Plus group mm-hmm. uh, all over the place. And so I just wanted to follow up on that a little bit. And, and who better than Stephen Fry? Yeah, okay. So uh, the Stephen Fry uh, essay uh, was sent. Who sent that Stephen Fry essay in? Should actually have this. I should have this up, but uh, I don't always, right? Um, maybe it was Alan. Maybe it wasn't Alan. I'll figure out. Who I think it was. it was. I think it was Alan Bailward. Did he? Hey, Alan. Man, I think it was. Alan's always doing good stuff. If it is Alan, I'll, I'll, I'll give him mad props. Um, <laughs> if it's not, you get nothing. <laughs> if it's somebody else, then suck it. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know who it was. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, Great essay by uh, Stephen Fry about his own depression uh, and talking about why you could be successful and uh, rich and uh, happy, quote unquote, and still be really depressed and lonely. Right. On the outside, people don't understand, you know, what's his problem? Right. What could he possibly have to be concerned about? And, you know, he says, uh, you know, with someone so well off, so well known, so so successful, how, how could they have depression? And uh, he points to this great article by Alistair Campbell uh, where he says, change the depression to cancer and diabetes in order to reveal how it's such a sick question, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because depression doesn't always have to do with what's going on in your life. Um, In my case, I go up, I go down, I have for the last, well, in my entire adult life. And, uh, And what we were talking about last week was sort of the, it was the low point of a long cycle that comes and goes and, and, you know, it happens. Um, it does happen. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it's, it, it's not always understood even by the closest people around you. Yeah. And even me who, you know, I've been there and I've been up and down more times than I can count. And I could, I could explain to you, uh, why I shouldn't feel that way. Um, I know that I shouldn't feel that way, but unfortunately it doesn't work like that. Right. No, it doesn't. You can't, you can't, you can't will away depression. Um, You can make changes in your lifestyle if those are things that are making you unhappy. But for me, it's less lifestyle things and more just the way my brain chemistry works. And um, so anyway, lots of people wrote in a lot of good stuff, uh, including one comment by uh, someone saying, I wonder who it was. I'm sorry, I got so many emails on the subject that I've lost track. It might have actually have even been uh, Patrick Wong. Somebody wrote in and basically said, look, you know, you can't be happy until you know what you want. You need to know what your goals are. And because otherwise, like, what do you have to compare where you are to where you right. want to be? If there's you don't no, know there's you no be. sort of baseline to measure right. against. And I completely agree with that, although that's a very difficult thing to answer. And we're going to take that up on an entirely different show because it's a very heavy topic. Yes. Um, uh, you know, some people, uh, Joey D wrote in and gave us a whole bunch of uh, good advice. Um, 
which some of which I agree with, some of which I disagree with. But hey, that's you know, that's uh, the 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 way of the world, right? Um, right. But I just wanted to say thank you for all of you who wrote in uh, supportive stuff. We got a lot of things from people saying that no one talks about that kind of stuff, and I, I like the fact that we're talking about stuff no one else is talking about. So Agreed. now, interestingly enough, since since we last sat down and spoke, um, uh, some exciting things are possibly happening in, in my world. So, uh, it just shows you how quickly things can turn around on a dime like that. You know? Yes. Uh, it's the way of the world. Yeah. So anyway, so that's, that's that. Um, there was also, I was listening to in beta. You, you listen, do you listen in beta? I listened to this episode on your recommendation. Uh, I, w- I would like to finish up on, on this. Please, oh, okay. The Stephen Fry article. Yeah. Uh, definitely give it a read. It's not a long article, but it is a, a very good article. Uh, Stephen Fry is um, very witty and, and is a good writer um, when it comes to dealing with things like this. Uh, he is a fantastic writer, yeah. I mean, that's, that's his game, right? Words. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's up on Stephen Fry's blog. Um, so, yeah, I did listen to this episode. I liked it. You know, uh, I love Gina Trapani's laugh. Yeah, she's adorable. She's very funny when she laughs. Uh, this episode of In Beta, In Beta is a, another show on 5x5, but it's uh, with Gina Trapani and, uh, and what the, oh, shoot, I always forget the other guy's name, Kevin Purdy. And most of the time they're talking about like Android development and IDs and SDKs and all this kind of stuff. And this last week they kind of went off their standard thing and talked about um, watching other people be successful doing what you do and how to deal with that. And I I just thought it was very – it was very telling that it's the same everywhere and in every corner of the world. Right. You know, right. We're in this artistic thing and photography is a business and you know, that's a big discussion, but, but just the fact that, you know, everyone sees other people doing what they're doing, being more successful and feels bad about it. It's not just us. Right. <laughs> Which yeah, is I mean, obvious, it's, but you know, when you hear people who are engineers saying it, it sticks home a little better. Yeah. I mean, they, they start talking about uh, the, the, the guy who decides he wants to give up his apartment and, packs a tent and goes out into the forest and decides he's going to write code and start a new business from the forest. Right. Although, <laughs> although the, the, the great thing about that is that like, okay, yeah, it sounds so idyllic. And then you start reading and he talks about how, you know, he gets rained on all the time <laughs> yeah, and he has yeah, to yeah. sleep in his car <laughs> and the bugs are biting him. You know, every, everything sounds so fantastic when you don't have all the details. Right. You know, and, and that's the same thing in everything in life, you know? Whether, whether, whether it's business or marriage or kids or, you know, living forever or there's, there's always a downside, right? Um, and no one, people generally don't really talk about the downside. You know, the whole, the whole idea they talked about once on, um, back to work where I think it's, I think it was on back to work. Maybe it was on that, that, uh, in beta where they said, you know, all you're seeing are the highlights of people's lives on Facebook or whatever it is. You're seeing the stuff they want you to know about and, and they don't want you to know about the bad things and the times they failed and the time that their client, you know, refused to pay them because they were unhappy with the work and right, right. You know, that kind of stuff. Or, or the, the realization that you've got this beautiful 36 megapixel body, but all your lenses are rendered useless because you didn't buy the right lenses. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, does that happen? 
Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> They're not as sharp as you thought. Oh, God. I'm a little jealous about that camera, but we'll get to talk about that later. <laughs> um, so anyway, I thought that was the, I thought that was a good thing. So if you guys want to check it out, it's episode 55 of In Beta here on 5x5. Um, is really good. Everybody else has candy is the name of the, the episode. Isn't that the way? Yeah. I don't know. So where do you want, where do you want to go to? Uh, I want to go, I want to go to a valley, Bill. Uh, isn't that where they make the porn? <laughs> the valley in the valley? Yeah. It used to, you know, it used to be San Fernando Valley used to be like the, the, the biggest, like the porn capital of the world. I don't know if it still is. <laughs> yeah. It's there in Miami, I think. But yeah, you know, here's, here's, I, I was having a discussion with some people recently about, um, the, the amount that things are worth, right? Uh, especially when it gets to things that have no intrinsic value like art, you know, how much is it worth for Jeffrey to paint that painting that takes right. him eight hours to paint or whatever it is? Well, you know, it's worth what someone will pay for. It. Exactly. Right. And that in many ways there's, there's this things are either cheap or they're expensive and if you're in the middle, you get in this weird thing where you're too expensive for the people who want something cheap, but it's too cheap for people who expect things to be expensive, and therefore they think it has less value than if you had charged more. Yes, absolutely. It, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Is that a good way of right. putting it? Uh, and, and look, you can, you can make this argument in products, in services, across the board. Nobody in the middle makes money. Right. Uh, and that's, that's like cosmetics, right? Yeah. You know, it's like you either okay, go the, the 499 the moisturizer or the $499 moisturizer. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's an interesting, so that like the, the uncanny valley of value is an interesting topic of discussion when it comes to art. So somebody comes to you and says, how much will this cost? Well, I know how much it'll cost me to go to some place and, hire the assistant and maybe rent the whatever to take the picture. But is it, you know, and say, you know, that's $300, right. For me to, to, for me to go there and do it. Well, I also have to pay myself. Oh, well, let's say I pay myself just a round number for the sake of argument, a hundred dollars an hour. And it's going to take me, f you know, two hours to shoot and three hours to edit. So there's $500. So, Oh, I'll charge him $850. Right. Uh, but, but that's, that's like, you're putting, uh, artists aren't plumbers, right? Right. And, and so it's, it's very difficult to kind of figure out what people expect of you. Um, and, and, and how people are going to react to a price that you give. Sometimes I'll say, and just for the sake of argument, I'll throw out a number. That's not a real number. Oh, oh, you need professional headshots for whatever. Okay, that will cost $1,000. Half the people expect it to cost 300 and half the people expect it to cost 3000 And when I say 1000 I'm either pissing off the person who wants 300 or the person who is expecting 3000 looks at me and goes, oh, maybe he's not that good because he doesn't charge that much. Right. And how do you well, deal with that? You, you've, you've also just described the entire wedding photography industry. Oh yeah, absolutely. There, there are wedding photographers in New York that cost 25 grand. Yeah. 
$25,000 to take pictures at a wedding. Even if they're really good, are they that good? Are they, are they 10 times better than the person who charges, you know, 2,500? I, I don't know. It's, but so is the answer. To, so I guess I know my, a lot of photographers are struggling with this very thing. Yes. With, right. with uh, where their value and where their perceived value collide. Yes. And then, and then insert into that the, the, their, their ego value, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, or their self-worth value, um, which is an internal indicator, which is very difficult as well, you know? Right. I but know problem- people will pay me the thousand. I know people expect whatever, but like in my head, I'm like, I'm not even really worth 500. Right. You know? And the, the, the problem is trying to, trying to treat something as nebulous as photography as simply product yes it's not a photography is not a widget no but i've talked to photographers and it's it's like business 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 they just want to talk about business you know it's oh are you doing work for this whatever you know oh i'm working for this person oh i got paid this or whatever and to me it's like okay yeah i mean you know i gotta pay rent Mm -hmm. but i'm not in this because it's a gangbuster business that i'm making 40 million dollars you know Right. I could make more money doing other things. Yeah. I'm doing I mean, you, this you, because I love it, you know. Right. And I think that that there that's that's a difference I think. I know some people I think who are are photographers, a lot of event people who do it because it's a good business, you know. Especially now with, you know, oh, you know, gay marriage is legalized. Okay, well, now there's all these gay people getting married. So there's even more weddings to make money on. Right, right, right. You know, so the, the, the wedding photography people are the people who are making the cash, you know. I, I wonder if there is, and I'm sure there is somewhere, uh, a correlation between how much you love what you do and how willing you are to discount it. Oh, I see, like an inverse thing. Yeah, like because, because I love doing it, I need to suffer more and I shouldn't get paid as much. Right. I'm getting paid in love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you know, you, you rationalize it of, well, there, there are people doing, you know, a lot worse for a lot less. So mm-hmm. who am I to charge? Blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. But then, you know. but there's like, you know, their perception, you know, you're working for somebody who's expecting the $25,000 wedding photographer. And if... You go in and says say it's going to be ten grand, even though that might be twice or three times what you would normally charge. Mm-hmm. It still makes you look bad, but you don't want to get laughed out of the room. No, you know how many people can actually walk into a room with you know a wedding uh, with with a with a bride and a groom and say, yeah, it's going to cost you a, 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 a nice Lexus car to hire me for the day. Right. You know that, that this is crazy. Well, now look, on the other side of that, I think we've all done, or a lot, a lot of us have done projects where the uh, budget had already been decided mm-hmm. and it's, you know, well beyond what you would have charged. And you walk into a meeting and the client says, okay, we're going to pay you, you know, X number of dollars. And you know, it's, it's multiples of what you thought you were going to get paid. Remember the good old days of web design when it was like that? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Getting paid, you know, five, seven grand to do a flash interstitial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took you four hours. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I let's, know what you're saying. Let's have a moment of silence for the the death of the Flash interstitial. Oh man, <laughs> I worked on this site in nineteen two thousand. Yeah, or I made over ten thousand dollars a week. Yeah, because uh, these people needed this site in two weeks. Yeah, oh, it was not never happened again. No, it's dead. Anyway, back to photography. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just, I just, it's, it's, it's a weird mental leap. So, you know, the the question is, do do you just have to jump up and just start charging more, assuming that the the, the clientele that you will get will be different? You know, that there is a market up there, and it's a matter of finding a way to tap into that market, or that that market will start noticing you because you are now charging more. Right. Well, look, I, there. <laughs> You know, every once in a while, you'll see somebody post on Facebook, let's say, about, well, you know, here's why I deserve this much money. You know, right. the uh, camera bodies cost this and my lenses cost this and da, 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 and, and they'll list out all of these, these sort of itemized reasons of why their work is worth X. And it's like, well, yeah, but the client doesn't care that you have two 5D Mark III's or that you bought L-glass instead of kit glass, if they even understand the difference. Right. They True. care about here's what I'm willing to pay or here's what I can be uh, – I can justify paying. Right. And none of that other stuff makes any difference. Right. Yeah. I mean if you're going to justify it to somebody, talking about equipment's not the way to go. Not at all. Right. Talking about perhaps this in a similar way – so, Joe Schmo, you are an attorney and you get paid $300 an hour, you know. I'm charging you based upon something that would char- pay me $150 an hour. How do you not understand that that is a fair price? Right. You know. The, the better play is, I think, and we don't have to talk about this project better yet. better play but, is suck it. Yeah. <laughs> the, there's, a, there's, a, there's a project that, you, you know, we can, your, your upcoming potential project that we yes. can talk about later, but the advice that you were given on how to approach it in that you you get the client so excited about it that they can't imagine you not doing it yes which is an interesting That's way of thinking play. about it yes that that is the ideal play right um but that requires well in my case that requires a gangbuster idea and a salesman to wit you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um and and the, the, both both of which are, you know, reasonable things to happen within a certain amount of time. Um, and then you know what? The other thing is that like no one's ever going to give you more money than you ask for, right? You know. But it, but isn't isn't shouldn't the goal always be to to present yourself as I'm the only person f- for this job for you? Yeah, I'm. The, I'm. Yes. Which you know, is which is much easier if they come to you because they like your work, you know. If you're just well, yeah, what, blind what's, pitching what's something, the, uh, it's harder to harder to do that. What, what's the Alec Baldwin line from uh, uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross? Uh, a, a man doesn't step on the lot lest he lest he wants to buy or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I gotta watch that again. I actually I, I pulled it down the other day to watch it, and I haven't gotten around to it. Um, oh yeah. I I love me some mammoth dialogue. Yeah. It's almost as good as Sorkin dialogue. Different. Different. But almost as good. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, so I don't know. I just I've been going back and forth, and and somebody uh, put up on the Google Plus group uh, a link to the twenty seven most expensive photographs ever sold, right? And okay, number one, I'm going to say this. Number one is ridiculous. You don't like that Gursky picture Not of the all. river? Not at all. Okay. Well, you also have to remember that it is seventy three by one hundred and forty three inches. Uh huh. I'm just, I'm just saying that, you know, I, I, I like his, uh, pictures in the store better. The 99 cent diptych. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Showing all the aisles and whatnot. Yeah. 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 And I um, like it better than the Jeff wall and the Cindy Sherman pictures that are in between. I, look, when you're, when you're paying millions of dollars, literally. Okay. Yes. Not, not figuratively. Yeah. You're paying millions of dollars for a print that it, you're, you're not paying that for it because you like the picture. No, people are paying this much because they think of them as investments. Right. Because it, at this point, there's no artistic value. It's monetary value. Yes. I mean, I could understand if, if I was fabulously rich, I could imagine buying a Van Gogh painting because it is such a beautiful thing. And it's this object that was made 110, 20 years ago. And, you know, there's literally only one of it and the hand of the artist touched it at the point mm-hmm. of which you're buying a big giant print by Gursky that was printed at some lab somewhere for $3.28 million, you know, because it's, and it's, you know, addition, there's, there are six of them in the world, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, you're doing that because you, because you know that Gursky pictures are worth a lot of money and you're trying to invest, right? Yes. Or you're fabulously but, wealthy and the, the money just is meaningless to you. Right. You know, I would, you know, all things being equal, I, I like your analogy about having the artist's hand touch it. I, you know, I, I want to know that there is some of uh, Rauschenberg's DNA on the canvas, you know, where his hand just rubbed across it. I want to know that, 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 that there was some connection. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but you know what? That gets back to our argument about you always yell at me for uh, complaining about Crutzen. I don't know if Crutzen touches anything that he does. He literally doesn't touch anything that he does. So, you know what I mean? So where does that fit in? You take that back. (laughs) He touches it with his soul. That's right, man. Like there's one thing in here. Number nine is a (laughs) $2.3 million daguerreotype of or a tintype. Of Billy the Kid, the only one known to exist. Right. Okay, that's kind of cool because that's a crazy historic thing. You know? Sure. But then there's like an aerial photography shot of uh, in St. Petersburg that uh, Medvedev did. $1.75 million for like, what? You know? I mean, it was a fundraiser, but still. Like, who has that? Oh, look, it's, all of this stuff is so surreal to me. It's, it's in another world. This is not reality. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you going to say? Sorry. I, I wouldn't even know how to aspire to this level of commerce. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, look, there's that, the, the, uh, Struth picture of the Pantheon in Rome. Right. Number 14. Like I, I, you know, I've been to Rome, but I didn't get to go to the Pantheon for a number of reasons, but I would imagine that that's, what a billion people's pictures look like of the Pantheon in Rome. 
Okay. You know, but, but see, this is okay. <laughs> this is one of the problems I have with, with art. And it's the quote right here on, on Struth's paint or uh, photograph. Yeah. It is claimed that Thomas Struth's photographs are about making order visible. And with the help of these images, the viewer finds themselves better able to grasp some of the many and varied faces of reality. All right, cross out everything in there that doesn't say anything, and what are you left with? Quotes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, this, I just, come on, really? <laughs> yeah, but you bamboozled somebody, you know? They're uh, like, they're, the greater fool is out there, and he will buy your thing for X amount of dollars, you know? I, I don't know. I, I sometimes think that my prints, you know, I don't sell a ton of prints, but I sell prints every once in a while. I... I are my, are prints of my work too low priced so that people don't think they're important? And if I suddenly, you know, uh, got a 60 by 90 print of, of the picture of, um, uh, Radio City Music Hall that everyone seemed to like from a few months ago and put it on the, put it on for sale for two or three thousand dollars, would somebody buy that? I don't know. Maybe they would, you right. know, I, if they did, it would be crazy. I would think they were crazy and I'm the one selling it and taking the money, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a crazy, this world is, is, is full of bubble and it is full of, it feels like you just have to get in front of the kind of people that have that kind of money. Maybe. Know? Yeah. And sell I, them know, on what, the idea that this thing is worth something, whether or not they think it's worth something. At, at, at this level, my understanding, to be honest with you, just breaks down. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand uh, one point, you know, whatever million dollars for a print. I don't yeah. understand it. Or that no, uh, Jeff Wall, the number 20, mm -hmm. Untangled. It's a guy with some rope lit by bad fluorescent lighting. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. I mean, I mean good, is, good is on there, them for doing yeah, it. Yeah, great. Good for them, you know, that they're making that much money, but it just blows my mind. Yeah, I, I just don't understand it. No. Yeah. It's a crazy world. So anyway, uh, this, but this goes, this is informing our discussion of this uncanny Valley. Like these people, Gursky's figured it out, man. Yeah. You know, take pictures that are, that are, that are full of complexity and yet completely ordered, make them print them giant, maybe put them on a light box, <laughs> you know? Right. And people open their wallets. Crazy, but seemingly true. Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, just putting that out there. Uncanny valley of value is what I'm going to call it from now on. I don't know. I mean, speaking of value. You, you know what? That, that should be the store. You should open. <laughs> that, sh that should be your print store. Bill's uncanny valley of value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I will charge you twice what you think it should cost, no matter right. what you think it should cost. Right. Yeah. What do you think it should cost? $20? 40 bucks. <laughs> you think this Whatever should cost a thousand? Whatever you're willing to pay, two grand. Grand. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that would be awesome. You could be there wearing a little vest. <laughs> like a little, like a little, yeah, a little icon of me down in the corner. How yeah, much would exactly. you pay for this print? That's right. That's right. You look like Robin Williams in one hour photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a little lab coat, like a blue lab coat on. 
<laughs> like the French guy at the beginning of that Cartier Bresson movie where he's like making like hand puppets. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hello, uh, my name is Bill. May I help you? Yeah. <laughs> How much would you pay for this point of uh how you right. say yeah um yeah all right we're 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 getting crazy now we're getting silly <laughs> it's early i've been up since four we're turning into muppets here uh speaking of value i mean there's the photographers who 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 give you you know a thousand images two thousand images right yes who are these people uh that's a lot should of you deliver your client everything that you shoot no. Is there ever a case to be made for it? Uh, it, it yes. If if they are going to be doing all the finishing and selects and your job is is literally just go out and capture as many images as you can, turn over your card, and we will cull through them and decide what are the keepers and what are not. Okay. Now, couldn't you say that that is the case with, say, event photography? Uh, I think in a lot of cases it is. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But look, I mean, it. I, I don't want to piss off an entire industry, but if you're delivering a thousand images yeah. to me, you're not doing your job. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, you might as well just have 30 cameras around the room snapping every two seconds. Right. Yeah. I mean, part of the, part of the beauty of photography and, and, and maybe, maybe Life. The singular beauty of <laughs> photography is is that ability of the photographer to separate that moment from this moment. Yes, I to agree. recognize, to anticipate, and to make a decision to press the strutter button, not just to hold it down. And what if, what if the photographer in this case says, well, you know what? I do. I just do that a thousand times. It, it seems to me then that the moments become less valuable. I think you could argue that. I mean, I, I tend to argue that. I, I was shooting, I was shooting some corporate headshots for a client a couple weeks ago. And then we had to do a group shot or whatever it is. But I shot maybe like 110, 120 pictures of each person. Mm -hmm. Women. Women are harder than men to do headshots on. And I know that that's a loaded statement. But there's more hair involved and things need to be more perfect uh, when you're shooting. And you, you notice more things out of place. And Do you feel a greater responsibility when photographing women than you do of men, do you, do you, do you make that distinction? Because I know, because I believe that they're going to become more vain about them. Uh, not necessarily vain as a, as, as a pejorative term, but critical, more critical. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, yes. And I worry about it when I'm shooting it. Sure. That mm -hmm. I'm like, man, are they, they going to like these pictures? Um, but you do the best you can and you move on. You can't, you know, the old thing, you know, it's like I can't make everyone look like uh, Kate Moss. You know? Right. You don't well, look like Kate Moss. Kate Moss looks good in those pictures because she looks like Kate Moss. You know, when you're um, shooting, I mean, you, you shoot a lot of, of heavy hitters, right? Sometimes, yeah. 
Uh, what do I do if I can't get good pictures of somebody who's famous or I need to get good yeah, pictures of? Yeah. What, what if Ooh, they it's hard. are just, they're not seeing it. Yeah. Some, you, sometimes I, I'll, I'll get a gig and uh, yeah, I'll get an assignment and I will do some research before the assignment and look at like all the other public pictures. I'll just Google the person and look at images. Just trying to get some sense of, you know, po- like a, d- d- turns of the head or sides, which are better or, you know, ways to deal with their hair or their clothes or a big nose or whatever it is. Um, and sometimes you look at all the pictures and you go, you know what? None of these are good. And in that case, if you go in and you take pictures and you're like, God, I don't know if these are any good. And you come home and you look at them and you go, oh, there's a few okay ones in there. You're probably okay because you didn't see a whole lot of great pictures of them before. Mm-hmm. If you look and there's all these beautiful pictures of some woman. Like when I shot um, Jhumpa Lahiri, right, uh, who's a author. And I looked at her pictures and there's some lovely pictures of this woman. She's a very beautiful Indian woman. And I was worried going in because I was like, man, how, am I going to be able to be up to snuff? You know. Uh, and so I, what do you do if you're not? <sighs> You know, what, what do you do you, if you quit if, photography and listen to episode 62, 61, right. you, you've seen, you've seen nines and tens, but, uh, your, your Lightroom catalog is filled with sixes and sevens. Uh, you know, sometimes it happens, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you can't be, you can't be on all the time. You can't do your best work every time out, yeah, but the client expects that. Yeah, no, I know that. And I beat myself up for it way more than almost any client ever would. You know, In their mind, we're not paying you for sixes and sevens. Right, right. But the question is, does the client even know the difference between six, sevens, eights, and nines? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of times they don't. A lot of times, like I, I was shooting someone a few months ago and they were showing me pictures of competitors things, you know, like, oh, this is what other companies do. Like, oh, we'd like something in this vein. This is like, you know, what people are in our industry have. And some of the pictures were literally pictures on an iPhone with overhead lighting in a conference room against a whiteboard, you know, why you got to bash the iPhone, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like do, obviously low light grainy cell phone picture. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, as bad as I'm going to do, it's never going to look as bad as that, you know? So but do you try harder in those? I mean, do you, do you try and like, if you, if you see that going in, do you want to up your game even more? I want to up my game every time. That's the okay. problem with me. Okay. I just get, I get unsat. I'm unsatisfied by it afterwards. So anyway, I was in, I was shooting these people and I said to them afterwards, sometimes I say, I always tell my clients after I said, you know what? I'll, you know, I'll call through these and I'll get it down to say 10 or 20 out of the 130, 150 each person because I shot I think three or four people I said I'm gonna I'm gonna call it down and I'll just send you like the 10 best of each person and now some clients will say back to the thousand pictures argument oh I want to see them all to which I say no <laughs> yeah yeah you know first of all half of them have your eyes closed half of them are very almost identical and this one is obviously better because you know, your left eye is a little more open or whatever it is. Why would I ever show you ones that I know you're never going to pick? You know, 
um, I am good at this. Let me do my job. And part of my job is editing it down to the ones that both I feel good about and you will be proud to have showing you, right? This is the, this is the issue about portraits. The problem is, is that the, the subject of portraiture is almost never a good judge of the portrait. Right. People are never good judge judges of pictures of themselves. Right. You know, I, these people, I guess I sent say 10 or 12 pictures of each of them. And I'm assuming that they each individually chose the two pictures that they liked best for me to retouch and send the finals over. But wait, 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 back up for a second. You send, I send them 10 or 12 sort of pretty much out of camera, like cleaned up in Photoshop, just like, you know, white balance and contrast, just, you know, to get it in the ballpark. Okay. See that you knew exactly where I was going with that. Yeah. Um, and then, then they choose two is generally my number for me to actually retouch and deliver. So the mm-hmm. final deliverable is two JPEG files, you know, in, in this case, it's not a CD's worth of images. It's not prints. It's not a DVD. It's, you know, an email or a link to a Dropbox zip file, um, which is what nowadays ends up happening more often than not. Right. I mean, you just gotta, you just gotta get them the file. Um, so, but I, I said to them, I'm only going to give you, te- you know, 10 or 15 and they go, Oh, thank you. <laughs> we didn't. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So half of the people are like, I want to see all of them. And then the other half are like, Oh God. Yeah. I don't want to see that. Maybe even that's too many. Send me t- eight. Well, I, I mean, I think there are lines, there are lines by industry. You know, there are some, uh, I mean, I've talked to wedding photographers who insist that, the clients want 500, 1,000, 2,000 images. And maybe for that kind of stuff, they do, you know, and people are weird about weddings, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I just, I can't imagine they, they, sitting there looking through a thousand images. I also feel like there has to be a certain amount of, oh, now we're really going to piss people off. <clears throat> um, see, if you edit them down, Let's say you get those thousand images down to a hundred images or mm-hmm, 150 mm-hmm. images and you send them to the, to the bride say, and the bride comes back and says, Oh, do you have any ones where I look better? You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh huh. Okay. That's an awkward thing. Cause you sent them the quote unquote best pictures. Right. Those are your picks. These are the ones that I'm trying to make you look as good as possible. Cause I know this is a big vanity project. That's all. Wedding photography is right. Sure. Um, so if you don't look good in, in my selects that I sent you, you're not going to it's, look good in it's my, only going, it's going down from here. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so in some ways, maybe by sending all of them over, you head that off at the past because they have everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and maybe they're also seeing the ones where they look even worse than they do in the quote unquote good ones in the selects. Right. So, so making like, your selects look even better. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's an argument to be made. I, for magazines say, it depends on the magazine because different editors and different people are different. Jeffrey, are you aware that different people are different? Are they really? That was the stupidest thing I've ever said on this show. Anyway. <laughs> one of, yeah. Um, yeah. Certain magazines I will send say, <laughs> hey, hey, Bill. Yeah. People are people. Is that true? <laughs> Do people need people? <laughs> are there people who need people? There are, and those people, yeah, they're the luckiest people in the world. Wow. Um, 
I will send, I will send four or five pictures that are my selects, but I will also send another handful that are alternates. Do you label them as such? Yes. Or do you, okay. I say, here are the selects and then here are the alternates. Now, here are some alternates. if I have time to kill, like if I'm not that busy, a lot of times I will actually even retouch the ones that I send as selects. Like mm-hmm. I'll pretty much get, I'll get them 80% of the way to final images. Um, just so they, A, because I am very, um, self, uh, deprecating and I, I want to make sure that I have put my best foot forward. You know, I took these pictures. I want them to look as good as possible. So I'm going to retouch them even before, you know, so they're seeing a finished Bill Wadman eyesed project, you know, um, and then almost invariably though, because of that, those look, images look so much better than the alternates. They almost always pick one of those. You know? right. 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 Um, and if somebody picks and there's usually like the one or two pictures in a shoot that are like, Oh yeah, that's the shot. And then, then you send them over to the magazine, you send them over 10 pictures and they go, Oh yeah, this is the one. And it's the same one. You go, okay, yes, we, we agree on this. You know, the other day I had a, a magazine contact me about a shoot I did. And they, they gave me their selects and they were, they, they pretty much chose every picture, but the picture I thought they were going to choose. Nice. They're like, we're going to do this one for the cover. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting choice. I would have thought you would have taken, you know, number 12. And they're like, oh yeah, I don't know. I don't make those decisions or whatever it is. And then the next week they come back and they're like, yeah, we'll take, um, number 10, number 11, number 13 and number 17. And you're like, not number 12. So just everything all around it. Yeah. Every, like, you know, I'm, I'm making up the numbers, but you understand right, like, right, like right. they chose all of the, the ones except for the one that I could, I would have put money on them using. Now you being you. Yeah. I throw a that, fit. I'm a diva. That, no, no, no. Does that send I say I'm never working this, with you again? Yeah. 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 Does it send you into this mode of then questioning your ability to edit and select? No. Okay, good. Although the funny thing is, is that when I, one of the first shoots I ever did, I did for this magazine and, and they, they, um, they chose a different picture than I would have chose. Um, and, uh, yeah, didn't choose the one I wanted at all, but chose all these other ones in sort of in the same situation. And I got very angry about it, you know, uh, a, because I felt like you people are idiots. You should have seen that this is the best one. Like what is wrong with you? How do you not see that? This is the obvious, like this is the money shot. Um, and I took it very personally, you know, Hmm. Like, like I had to stick up for my photos like they were my children. Right. And, uh, and, and I got really, really mad about it. And then, the, and then the one of the, the, one of the pictures they did choose for the cover of this magazine, her hair was messed up and they didn't like her hair. And, um, and they asked me to retouch her hair. And this is, you know, years and years ago. And I wasn't very good at retouching hair because retouching hair is hard. And I did what I thought was a, pretty good job on it. The best job I had ever done on hair. And they wrote me back and they were just like, yeah, the hair doesn't look very good. We're going to send it out to another retoucher. Right. Bill is crushed. I, I was crushed. I was crushed. I was, I remember I was in Florida with my sister and my mother and we got out of a movie and I opened up my phone and I got the email that said that. And I remember being so angry that I punched a concrete wall. Did you hurt yourself? Yeah, I kind of, I think I 
bruised or broke my fingers. It was bad. Um, this is this is the old angry Bill. Yeah. Um, and it, and it was it was it was it was scary. And I mean, it, it, this is telling of a whole bunch of other things, right? You know, um, the 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 spin of the story nowadays, like it, you know, if these people don't choose that. Whatever, they're you know, they made a bad decision. I'm still right that that was the good shot, you know. Um, but the, the funny thing is that about three months later, I get a call from a much bigger national magazine who wanted to see the same pictures of the same woman. And they chose right off the bat, the one that I thought was the money shot and went full page with it. So, and then I kind of thought to myself, see, these people have, have photo editors that know what they're talking about. Wow. You know? So there are, there are, <laughs> see? <laughs> yeah. See, see, I am. I was right. Like it was vindication. Right. You know, I was right. I knew that was the good sign one. the back of the check. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, my hand hurts. Um, I don't know. It's just it was. Yeah. So you, you never know what's going to happen. It's it's a crazy, crazy world. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is that the end of that? Is that is that the end? of? I think it? we're good on that. <laughs> Do you want to save this one for next time? The uh, highlight it, yeah. That? Uh, this one, yeah. Want to save that for next time? Sure. Okay. Uh, why don't Why don't we talk about Squarespace then? Who? Uh, Squarespace. That they would be. They would be our sponsors for this episode. Oh, oh, them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice, right? Hey, guys. <laughs> uh, we like you know. Little Ryan and Derek are our friends, and they're they are wonderful, wonderful people. Um, so you guys know about Squarespace, right? I mean, we talk about this all the time. But look, if you if you don't have a website, or you have a website that you don't like, or is frustrating to you, or you don't like the the way you have to add images and removing images, and you're paying up through the teeth, and you want something with your own domain name on it, so you're not like sending people to your Flickr account to see your work, just go open an account at Squarespace. It's the way to go. It's hosting and software in one. It's everything you need to create an exceptional website. Uh, they got these beautiful templates. They're super clean. They show off your work. Uh, what's that one that's a uh, full bleed? There are a couple of them. One is Aviator. Uh, Aviator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's which nice. I, which I really dig. Uh, you know what? Can I just comment? I, I, whoever did, I love their new website. Oh, I, I don't know that I've seen the new website. With the, okay. You go to, you go to squarespace.com. Uh, and you're probably going to be greeted with this, this patch cord thing, all kinds oh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. okay. But l the little dots underneath get started. They've got, they've created all of these little sort of vignettes that are fantastic. They're using video. They're showing you what it looks like on mobile. Uh, just really highlighting how fantastic their templates look. Yeah. Ingenious. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. Um, Aviators full bleed. Uh, there's one called Momentum that's full bleed, which okay. I really like. Yeah. Um, they've got a few. Front row is full bleed. Yeah, this is really a fantastic. Their site is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I think Dan Benjamin was trying to get them to put this out as a template. Oh, that would be fantastic. That that would be really cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was talking about this the other day. Um, yeah, they're 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 full bleed. So your pictures is like just all about your pictures and some nice type. Um, and they're like we just said, there's these sites scale all the way down to your phone. So it's, they're responsive by design, right? So you don't have to okay. worry about it looking bad on an iPad or testing it everywhere. They do the testing for you. They, they make sure that things work. 
Uh, if you've already got a, let's say you want to pull your blog in, you already got a WordPress blog or a Tumblr blog. You can go there and import your blog into their system. Everything just works. You know, yeah. they pull in all the content. And then when you're done, you write a new post, send it out to your social networks, like right from within Squarespace. You like put in your, your uh, stuff for your different, your Facebook and your Twitter and it goes and it just, it tweets for you or, you know, puts a Facebook. You know what else there. I dig? What? You're looking at a template and you're like, I like it, but I don't like the font. Yeah. Fine. Change it. Yeah. It's all, it's, it's, they're connected to Google fonts. Put your own fonts in, drag colors around. Yeah. Drag layout around. You want you want a wider second column? Go ahead, drag it around. Yeah, and You're you done. can't and you can't break it. Yeah, you know it's unbreakable. Like uh, what's his name? Samuel L. Jackson. No, that was <laughs> really Bruce Willis. Was Bruce Willis, right? Samuel L. Jackson was Mr. Glass. That's right. Um, but uh, yeah, you can't you can't mess this stuff up. This is you know the, their stuff is great. And, and if for some reason you do. What do you do? 24-hour customer support. You chat with them online and they know what they're talking about and they don't have 15 different layers of, did you turn your computer on this morning? Yeah. It's, you know, if they if they understand that you are asking uh, a question that you know what you're talking about, they will answer you in kind and won't talk to you like you're an idiot, which is wonderful. I'm sure that they would talk to you like you're an idiot if that's what you need, but, you know... <laughs> Uh, if that, my experience I need to somebody to speak to me as if I'm a complete idiot. Hey, you know what? Just people are different, Jeffrey. Sorry, Everyone's different. Right. Um, but you, the best part about it is that you don't. You can go try it out two weeks without a credit card. Uh, go to squarespace.com/otp, and uh, you give them a, a email address and a, and a password, and you create a temporary account for two weeks. You can pull all your stuff in, test it, play with the templates, move stuff around. And if you decide you want to buy, go back and use the code, wait for it, Jeffrey, Creative Shark. Look at that. All one All word. Right. All right. Uh, is the code for July. It'll get you 10% off and uh, you'll get your own domain name. So you can get uh, jeffreysedoris.com. What? Uh, or, or, or oldmanwholikescoffee.com. <laughs> you weren't supposed to say anything. Shh. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, and, and, Here's what you do. Start out with a, with a template called TAC. T-A-K-K. Okay. I want you to go look at this template. I don't know this And I want one. you Is to scroll new? down. Uh, I want you to scroll down and see what other people have done with it. So you can see, even within their own templating system, how customizable you can make these things. Or how customizable they are. They, you know, they are actually really amazing with this stuff. Yeah. Um, and if this isn't enough for you, you can use your own CSS. You can use your own scripts. You can use, you know, you can customize it even further. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, if you don't want to write a lick of code, you don't have to. These are talented people. Yeah, they are. Yeah, look at all the different things. Tech, that's a nice one. It's nice, right? Yeah, you know what? That's a very good one for a company. Mm-hmm. Because you can make it look like anything. All right. So squarespace.com slash OTP. Uh, Creative Shark is the code for July. Uh, we love them. Uh, they are our favorite. Everything you need to create an exceptional website, Squarespace. Thank you very much for your support. Um, what I else? I hope they release this thing as a template. That would be super cool. That would be cool. Yeah. They're not messing around, those Squarespace guys. I think sometimes they mess around, but not this time. <laughs> this is not one of those times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes they do, but this is not, this is not, the, they know how to party, those Squarespace guys. Let's just say that. <laughs> They mess around. 
ain't no party like a Squarespace party. That's <laughs> 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 oh, good stuff. Yeah. I want to get invited to a Squarespace party. Derek, if you're listening, please invite me. Um, <laughs> okay, so I did some research last week because, we, you know, I... There may be a project coming up that I will talk about some other time that would involve me needing to make big prints. We, we, we've been talking about Bill upping his game. Yeah. And and I will probably end up just renting some sort of medium format camera because I need really, really big files for this thing that I want to do. Um, and that's fine. I, you know, I can rent whatever these things because these things cost $40,000, you know? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, but it, but it got me sort of doing, I, I will admit every once in a while I get stuck looking at camera porn. <gasps> yes, dun, dun, I know dun. it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And, uh, I really, I'm embarrassed by it. Um, you know, but it happened. So I was looking around at, uh, uh, all these different cameras and one of them is the Leica S. Have you seen this camera? This is this is uh you know if if for some reason I were to win the lottery. Yes, this is the like, camera you'd like buy. The Powerball which you know what? I reminds me I need to write a strongly worded letter to the Lotto Commission because I still have yet to win. <laughs> Bastards. And I'm a little upset about it. But yeah, this this would be definitely on my short list of of uh of sexy cameras. Yeah, it is a very, very good looking camera. And, uh, so this is, this is Leica S is the high end Leica SLR camera that has a, they call it a medium format. They don't call it a medium format. They call it larger format or whatever. It basically, it's a medium format camera in that the sensor, I think, is about twice a full frame 35 millimeter sensor, but it's not as big as like a 645 sensor. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a uh, 37 megapixels. Uh, it has very, very nice glass. Apparently, the reviews are saying that it's all the reviews I said say that it's pretty much the best glass that any reviewer I've read has ever used. Unbelievably sharp, unbelievably contrasty, and beautiful and perfect. Um, anyway, so I was just looking at this camera. Now, this camera, the old version, the S2. Ironically, the S2 came out before the S. But don't get me started on that. So I was doing some research. And this camera, you know, is $22,000. For the body only. For the body only. The lenses are five or six grand a piece. Now, I don't have the kind of money to buy this camera. Uh, However, this is the camera that one of our former photographers of the week uses as his main camera to go do editorial stuff. Now, who would that be? Stéphane Louveau. (laughs) We love Stéphane Louveau. (laughs) Um, and, uh, you know, and it's a beautiful camera. The problems that I personally have with it, not that I would ever actually buy one of these. Um, apparently the viewfinder isn't a hundred percent. Uh, the, the, the camera does okay up to like ISO 800. It does 16 and 32, but they're pretty noisy. So it's kind of like, okay, well, yeah, you're getting 37 megapixels, but one could argue that, you know, you can get 36 megapixels from the Nikon D800 and it looks great at high ISO, whatever. And, and right. some people are saying that. I mean, I, th- I've i seen, you know, shootouts of the two cameras and taking the same picture in the same place. I mean, the Leica pictures look better in the same way that a full frame camera looks better than a cropped camera. Like they just look 
smoother, less digitally, you know? Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, the, the, the Nikon one is supposedly very nice. I know a lot of people who love it and I'm not knocking it in any major way. And we're talking 20% improvement here, not, you know, 10 times the price, which is what it is. Um, anyway, so I was looking at all this, but it just got me, uh, I got to put a, I'll put a, a link in the show notes so you can download, uh, you can download, uh, some of the, some of pictures from this camera as DNG files. So oh, can, right. The, the ones that you sent me. Yeah. So you can yeah, open yeah. them up in your, they're really you know, clean. Oh God. They are so beautiful. Yeah. Really. <laughs> they're clean. amazing. And they've got a lot of latitude, not as much pulling back the highlights, but the shadows are just like, they look like yeah. black holes and you just pull them up from nothing. Yeah. The, the one of the girls standing. Yeah. Uh, you've got the shadows behind yeah. the chair. Uh, amazing amount of detail yeah. that you can recover. So anyway, I just thought it would be fun for those of you out there who, who really like this stuff. Uh, go check out these photos. We'll put them in the show notes. That's a five by five TV slash OTP slash 62. I guess it would be, you know, I, I would love to talk to someone about the actual usage of medium format. Um, just going from 35 to medium format is, is, is your, is your approach different? Is the way you frame things up different is, is you have to be f- way more meticulous mm-hmm. because the more resolution you have, the more the camera records things you've done wrong. Right. Right. So if your focus is off at all, if you didn't stop down enough, if, right. if, if, if you uh, have any sort of camera shake at all, you know, mirror camera shake that you wouldn't notice at 10 or 12 megapixels, even, even in, uh, in 35 millimeter territory, if you go from a 12 megapixel camera to a 25 megapixel camera, if you go to it from the 5D to the 5D Mark II and you shoot the same thing in the same way with the same lenses, you're going to see deficiencies in the Mark II images that you never knew were there before. Just because the, right. the, the sensor's resolving more, you know? Yeah. It, it, see, and the, like, and the I, medium format, then you're into the territory where, you know, you can't take, it's like one frame a second. So it's like, right. You know, I mean, that's as fast as you're taking pictures, which is more than fast enough for me if I had to. But uh, a lot slower that you can't go. Yeah. Or like apparently some people do. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, I, I was talking to Carl uh, a couple weeks ago and he was they just got back from Iceland and he was shooting with the the Hasselblad, the HD five. But yes. some of the things he was shooting, it's like he has like girls jump on these small trampolines so they can get up off the ground a little bit. Yeah. I mean, isn't that just ridiculously difficult to time that correctly on medium format? Well, Much I more mean, so than it would be The medium on... format shutter is going to go the same speed. I mean, as long mm-hmm. as he has, you know, flashes that are bright enough to snap that woman solid, you know, mm-hmm. freezer in time. Um, but I mean, yeah, you're going to you're going to see and a lot of uh, medium format systems. I mean, there's an argument to be made because they can actually sync faster right? if they've got a shutter in the lens. But one of one of your uh, observations, complaints, has been that that uh, medium format just doesn't focus as fast. Oh God, yeah, the focusing is terrible. So I'm one. You, you, you would talk to him. you would focus. You would have her stand on the thing, focus on her head, have the camera on a tripod or whatever it is, and say, "Now jump." You know. Okay. Okay. Like so the, you would focus. You focus almost like a street photographer focuses. Yeah. Well, no, you would focus on her st- st- like a standing in. You know, you're, you're not like, 
she jumps up and you sl- you know spin the camera around and hit the button and it focuses and takes the picture. No, you're mm-hmm. you're focused before you take the picture. You're in okay. manual focus mode. You know. So you're pre-focusing yeah. where she will be. Yeah. Or okay. pre-focus an automatic and then put it to manual so it doesn't change when you hit the shutter. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. I mean, I do that all the time even on 35 millimeter. Um, especially when you're doing action-y kind of stuff, right? Because you your camera's not going to focus and take the picture fast enough. You know, like let the focusing be done so they could just take the take the picture. Um, what I found interesting, though, in doing all this research, and the reason I bring it up, is that I found a <clears throat> Forbes article with the uh, – and I'll put this in the show notes – called How Leica Camera is Reinventing Medium Format Market in Its Own Terms. And this is from uh, May 8th of this year. And they're talking to the head of professional photo at Leica Camera AG, right? So like the the main head guy, Stephen Schultz. And one of the things he says on page two, because they talk about how they have garnered uh, a a, a chunk of the industry. A percentage of the medium format industry is now owned by Leica. And I forget what the exact number is. It's, it's, you know, they have, they claim 20%. Okay. Yeah. They have a 20% share. They say phase has a 40 to 45% share phase one. That's a big number though. 20%. They say right. three years after introducing this camera. Sure. But here's the, here's the, here's the spin, right? They say that the medium format digital market is roughly 6,000 cameras a year. That's yeah. it. That's 6,000 cameras, you know? The, the the lowest end crappiest off brand digital SLR sells far more than six thousand per year, you know. You know the 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 Minolta d- digital camera that no one bought because no one knew existed sold more than six thousand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, do you okay? Which is, is why this- these things cost so much, and people say because there's no economy of scale. Right, right. They right. they get their sensors from Dalsa or or Kodak or whoever get their their sensors from. None of these people make their own sensors. Well, Leica might, but no, Leica doesn't even. I think they get theirs from Dalsa. But it, they would have to ship orders of magnitude more for it to make any difference. To make any difference in the price. Yeah, they'd have they, to sell I mean, sixty thousand of them, fifty thousand yeah. of them, doubling, tripling, even quadrupling. Not going to do a thing to their no. bottom line. No, or certainly not going to make anything any cheaper. Right. You know, it's right. just like okay. Yeah, so you want to order twice as many. Well, yeah, we can give you a 5% discount, you know. Things are the reason why things are so cheap in the 35 millimeter world is that there's huge amounts of competition and they sell a billion of these things. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not a billion, but I, I bet you there are 100 million digital SLRs sold a year or something ridiculous like that, you know. I don't know. I you know, I don't know how many, but probably a lot. 60 million, you know. You looking it up now? Yes. Okay. Um, I just, I, I, you know, for all of, if you read any magazines and see all these fancy photographers do their talks on behind the scenes things, and they're all holding medium format cameras and you think, oh, like real people use medium format cameras. Well, you know what? There's, there's an argument to be made when things matter, whatever it is, but we're talking about 6,000 a year worldwide, you know, and that's including, that's including all the rich people who buy these things as a, a brag rights thing, you know? Right. You know, the, 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 no offense, but the, the Scott Bournes of the world who made a lot of money and now are photographers because they can afford a medium format rig and all the, all the stuff that goes along with it. Right. You know, 
it's it, it it's 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 a it's a showpiece as much as it is their tool you know sure yeah sure um and we we all know the rich people who buy the fancy car that they can't drive right you know yeah but getting look getting this this thing up getting this market share up to uh, 35 millimeter equivalent yeah did you have a number not did you find happen. a number uh nothing recent okay. to 2009 uh, Canon sold 4.36 million units, Nikon 3.35, Sony 1.06. Yeah. So probably now it's 20 million. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's still thousands of times more than it is than, than it is here, you know? Sure. Um, I just, it's, it's, it's an interesting argument. It, the problem is that market will never get bigger because the advantages that those cameras have are not required by enough people, especially not for that amount of money, right? You know, the limitations of medium format are such, and don't even, you know, yeah, that, 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 that camera's 22 grand plus it's five, six grand for the lenses if you can find them. Right. You know, and, and come on, uh, 1200 pixels across, are those images going to look better than a D 600 or a five D three coming out of the S two? Yeah. The S um, those files, <laughs> I mean, are they going to be worth the, 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 the it depends the, what you're doing. If, cost? If, if you, if you're printing, you know, a 13 by 19, no, if no, you're, what I, if what you're I, printing what I, what 60 by 90, yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Small on the online. web. No, no. You're not going to see a difference. No, no. I mean, there's, there's, there's more workability. There's more latitude in the files. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing a lot of post-production and pulling up the shadows and doing composites and whatever it is, like there's a lot more information to work with. And there's an argument to be made that, you know, more information is better in those situations. Right. Which is a, a very, is a fine thing to, to, to say. I mean, I, I think that that's true. I, the times that I've shot medium, the files are beautiful. I just can't justify a $40,000 camera, you know? <laughs> um, but the funny thing is that the old, S camera you can get now get for uh, nine, 10, 11,000 on eBay. Mm-hmm. You know, the body that's a couple years old Yeah, they, you know, but then there's five grand for the lens. So you're still at 15, 16 grand and you have one lens, you know, you know, if, if, if the lotto commission gets back to me, I'll hook you up. Okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, wanted to mention that one of our listeners, Brian Frank had a, uh, a Kickstarter, for a documentary he wants to make called uh, Made Do. And uh, he wants to go around the country and... Make Do. Make Do, rather. Oh, did I say did I say Made? Oh, I typed Made. I typed it wrong. It's a typo. It's called Make Do. Uh, and uh, yeah, he wants to go around and talk to professional creatives about, you know, what you need to make it as a professional creative. He's going to go talk to painters and illustrators and filmmakers and singers and all these kinds of things. He was looking for four grand. He got it. Uh, 4,500 cool. bucks. So he is, he is backed. Although and, can uh, I tell you four what? grand doesn't seem like very much money <sighs> to do what he's going to do. I don't know. I don't know what he's planning on doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe he'll, uh, he said he, he, he was thinking about coming to interview me, but I don't know if I'm fancy enough because he's got this fancy, uh, he's got this whole fancy idea of like making and doing and building this stuff. And I, I don't know if, I don't know if my stuff that I make do is, is cool enough for his documentary anymore. I don't think it is. Yeah, it's not. So, but, uh, congratulations, Brian. And, uh, keep it up. I, 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 I love that. You just don't even, you don't even justify it. You just go. No, <laughs> moving on. 
you want to say, new new documentary? New documentary. Yeah, uh, new documentary called uh, "The Mexican Suitcase." I know um, this one. It's full of drugs, right? It is. It is. No. Oh. Uh, it's it's about photos, man. Oh, you mean that Mexican suitcase? That's right. That's right. The one that they found in Mexico in the uh, family, the house of a former general of some, th- right? That guy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, here, synopsis of the story. Uh, three lost boxes found in a closet in Mexico City in 2007. Um, and they contained, what is it? Negatives. Uh, negatives. Hmm. More than 4,500 negatives. Uh, this is, this is interesting stuff to me because this, this gets back to, um, not only the beginnings of photography, but the begin and, and I'm, I'm using the beginnings of photography as a popular medium. Yeah. Well, it's 1930s stuff, right? It's all stuff from Spanish civil war and stuff that ended up in Mexico. It's all, uh, Kappa. Right. Uh, and his, and his girlfriend, whose name I can never remember. Uh, who also has a cool name. I find this remarkably interesting. Hey, Jeffrey, uh, do you know why photographers are always so depressed? Why is that? Because all they can do is think about negatives. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You like that? Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Was that really terrible? Yeah, no, no, it's really, it's really good. <laughs> uh, Ger- uh, Gerda Taro is the woman I was thinking of. Right. So uh, Kappa, her and, and, uh, David Seymour. Yeah. Um, they were hoping found, to find, uh, the original negatives of the Spanish guy getting shot, right? Right. Which, uh, apparently were not in there. <sighs> but they, weren't they all like stuck together? So they ended up sending them to Kodak mm-hmm. to unstick. Is that true? When, when Kodak was still in the film game? Yeah. Remember, remember Kodak? <laughs> yeah. So they sent the stuff to this company called Kodak. Um, <laughs> Up in uh, Rochester, they had something to do with photography back in the day. And um, yellow, yellow box, red letter. Yeah. You, you've seen it before, like grandparents' basement or something. And um, apparently, because like, they, they were just rolled up. The, the coolest picture in many ways to me is the mm. actual picture of the box with the film in it. Right. Right, right, right. That's the shot. That's the money shot. Um. It, but they apparently it was all stuck together, so they had to send it to uh, to 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 Kodak to I don't know uh, break them apart somehow, which is kind of cool. Yeah, um, uh, I want a big poster though. of 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 the Mexican suit the 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 the, the roll. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder if there's a there there probably is like a really large file online somewhere. Uh, Nine hundred forty-eight. That's not enough pixels. It's pretty cool though. Yeah. Uh, definitely interesting. I don't, I, this thing's probably not available yet. They're still doing screenings. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I, based I, on the trailer, it looks, it looks very interesting. I think somebody needs to send an email. Hey, that's a good idea. Yeah. To, uh, Trisha Ziff. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to do that today. Make that Stay happen. Stay tuned listeners. We'll, uh, we'll yeah. see if we can make this happen. Uh, you know, cause we, we did get a chance to see. Gregory Crudson, Brief Encounter. We got a chance to we see uh, the Saul Leiter documentary, which was fantastic. I don't know why. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. See what you can do. I want to I see that one. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Man. 
Just, right. I, I mean, it's it's kind of amazing that that you know that this was found in the first place. It makes me wonder what else is still out there. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's there is yeah probably in boxes. Well, I mean, it goes back to the whole Vivian Mayer woman, right? Oh, speaking of Vivian Mayer, is that documentary uh, out yet? It is. There is a documentary up on the BBC uh, website. Do I look British to you? Uh, can you watch it here no. in the U.S.? You you can. You can. There is an extension for Chrome. Oh, that makes people think that you're in the U.K.? Yes. <gasps> yes. I started watching it last night. What's the extension called? Uh, it is called Media Hint, I believe. Oh, wow. One, one moment. Let me. You know what? Let me look. Oh, Hold that's on. dangerous. What? Yeah. Isn't that great? Uh, extensions. And and you you just say oh yes. i want to it is called media hint there's oh. no there there are no settings to enable you just install the extension and then does it figure out when it needs to change the thing yes Ooh. okay so then you go to we'll put the the link in the in the show notes here's the here's the link uh and and here i am watching it full screen lovely wow right all right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get right on this. Uh, make this happen. All right, it's installed. Yeah. So d- click that link that I just uh, did. look at this. We're we're doing it live, listeners. Uh, I'm I'm working on. It. Hold on a minute. I just wanna. Uh, yeah, I wanna continue. Why can't it? Uh, saying I can't install things from this website. That's weird. All right, I'll figure it out later. You may have to open the preferences window and oh, then do drag it the old-fashioned way. Drag the extension onto the onto the window. You know, let me tell you something about Chrome. It's a really good browser. Yeah. Anywho, uh, <laughs> Vivian Meyer documentary. Uh, it's called uh, Who Took Nanny's Pictures? Sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> Sounds like a porn movie. Vivian Meyer. Yeah, full screen viewing is recommended for high definition content. Good Isn't job, Jeffrey. Yeah. Me so, a hint. Uh, you know, maybe we can put this and the link to to Media Hint in in the show notes, and, and if you guys uh, Media have, Hint is now in the show notes, and uh, this iPlayer uh, now in the show notes. Yeah. All right. So go go check it out. Uh, good stuff. Okay. I will. I I'm even going to check that one out. Right. Um. That's good stuff. Hey. Uh. I say we talk about our photographer of the week because I think that there's a topic of discussion even in our photographer of the week discussion. Okay, our photographer of the week is uh, Bert Stern. Yeah, Bert Stern. Although sadly, Bert Stern just passed. Yes, which is why we are using him as photographer of the week. Because um, I was reminded of Bert Stern, and, and we're going to put some links in the show notes to his Wikipedia. And there's a documentary being made about him by his wife or, or somebody related to him called Bert Stern Madman. Hmm. Interesting. Original Madman. Is that what it's called? Bert Stern Original Madman. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and uh, um, it's at bertsternmadman.com. That's why, you know, that's why I got it mixed up. My father used to say, Wadman, like Madman with the, with the M upside down. Is that really what he said? Sometimes he did, yeah. <laughs> like a Madman with the, with the M upside down. I did a website once where I actually had it say a little bit of a Madman and then the, 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 the M flipped up. Upside down. 
Hmm. This is like back in the days of Flash in you know 2001. You know, the old days, the good old days. The good old days. Yeah. Um, so Burt Stern, if you don't know who he is, is the guy who took the pictures of Marilyn Monroe that everyone talks about and blah, blah, blah. Right. right? The so-called last sitting of Marilyn Monroe. He also did that that uh, Lolita shot, which I, I really like. Yes, he took the the picture, uh, the the uh, stuff for Lolita, uh, the movie. Um, he, you know, his his father was apparently a photographer, a kid's portrait photographer. Uh, you know, he grew up in Brooklyn from Jewish parents, immigrant parents. Uh, you know, he got a job in the mailroom at Look. He finally became an art director at Mayfair. He learned how to develop pictures. He got drafted into the army. He got sent to Japan doing photographic stuff. Uh, and he, he got addicted to amphetamines. And while recovering in Spain, came up with the idea for the pill book, which is a photographic collection of different pills he had shot. And you can still buy a thing called the pill book that is all pictures of different pills. You ever see that book? I've not seen it. It's like a, a, a sort of a reference for, uh, doctors and, and, uh, and hmm. what's called. I don't know if it's the same one. So anyway, he came back, he started shooting fashion. He shot, uh, some ad campaigns for Madison Avenue people like Smirnoff vodka and this kind of stuff. And Those the, sh- the Buster Keaton ones. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Perhaps. Uh, he also shot, you know, he shot Hepburn and Liz Taylor and Madonna later in his life and, and Lindsay Lohan or whatever it is. Uh, but really the thing that he will ever be remembered for is this last sitting 2,500 pictures taken over three days. Right. But it was only six weeks before she died. You know, so the, these are the famous pictures of her holding stuff up over her boobs. You know, they're like the semi-translucent like the, material. the sheer fabrics. Yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the famous, the, and they, they came out, it was like a big thing, like five, six years ago where everyone was talking about these pictures and there were all the prints of the copies where, uh, uh Marilyn X'd out the pictures she didn't like. Right. And they were big giant prints of the ones she had X'd out. Oh, it's so risque. Right, 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 right. Um, don't, don't show that. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Big X across it. Um, <laughs> Although, and, doesn't the X kind of lose its value when, when they're just, you know, they're all X'd out? Were <laughs> they all X'd out? The, the, there's a print of like, there are 12 images and all of them have X's through them. <laughs> Classy. Yeah. I once heard a story though, like him talking about, I don't know where I heard it, but it was like an interview with him talking about how he, you know, he was supposed to have, uh, uh, take pictures of her and she didn't show up or, you know, he thought, or she called at the last minute and, and rescheduled and, and she's like, Oh, can we do it tomorrow? And he's like, Oh, great. She's going to be this nightmare thing who wants to keep doing it tomorrow and she's never going to, finish and she never we're never actually going to make it happen and she and whatever the next day was that they they were going to do it she actually showed up and um was uh really nice came alone without an entourage and said take your time i got nothing else going on today mm. and they ended up shooting for like all that day and then maybe the next day or maybe they broke it up over a few days but he, she kept coming back and they are what are argued to be like the the pictures that everyone remembers Marilyn Monroe for, right? Other than that shot that Jay took, or who who took who took the weird one that's out of focus? You know the one uh, where her mouth is open, where she looks all dense, and she's you know, and it's out of focus. 
really blown well, up. I know Abaddon took a bunch of really great ones. Yeah, maybe I, it was the Abaddon one. Anyway, she's in kind of the sequin dress, looking no, kind of sad. These are different. Okay. Anyway, oh, that might be it. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, is that the reason I brought this up is, well, first of all, to say, see what happens when you actually get people comfortable in front of the camera. You know, when people actually trust you and will, you know, let you in. Right. You can create wonderful, wonderful stuff. And a lot of these pictures really are wonderful. Uh, both because they're neat lighting ideas, they're, they're very nice. Um, and because Marilyn Monroe is beautiful and has a real way about her. Right. Um, and I think that there's something really great about that. And I, I love the idea that, that this, this proves the sort of theory that like, if you take the time, you can get something really special out of people. Yes. Um, but it also proves the thing where, look, two days of shooting other, if it wasn't for this, he would probably be forgotten. I mean, yeah, he uh, shot I don't, I don't agree stuff, that he would be forgotten. I, but I don't, he would not be the fancy guy that people would not – he would not have had a full-page article in New York Times in his uh, – as an obituary if he hadn't taken those pictures those three days. Probably not. Right. And, and, and Or if Marilyn Monroe fact, had lived for another 30 years, he probably wouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah. Despite the fact that he shot, you know, Liz Taylor right. and, and Barbara Streisand and yeah. – you know, But so did – 300 other photographers over those. Sure. Years, right? Sure. 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 I mean, it, it, this is very similar, I think to the, uh, Danny Leibowitz pictures of John Lennon right before he died. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If John Lennon had not died, would people remember those pictures in the same way? Probably not, you know? Um, and so it's, it's just interesting to show that this guy's career, which went on for 60 years, really he's being remembered for, 2,500 photographs that he took. And honestly, of those, maybe 10 of them that you see all the time. Right. You know? Right. T- 10 pictures taken over three days. Out is, of a it, lifetime of shooting. Is the whole caboodle. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, there are several photographers you can make. Kappa's image, yeah, there were some fantastic images, but what's the one image that Kappa's going to be remembered for? Yeah, the, the guy getting shot. Yeah. 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 Or the, or the, what's his name? The photographer who shot the, the Vietnamese guy about to get his head blown off. Right, right. How many rolls of film did that guy shoot? But he's always going to be remembered for that one photograph. And how many guys who went around with him and, and shot stuff that was just as good every other day except for that one day? As a, as a photographer, as an artist, what, what do you think of that? How does that strike you? If you're remembered for one image, are are you happy to be remembered at all, or are you like, well, you know, hey man, I took thousands of images. What's what's going well, on? Well, it's it's the question of the one hit wonder, right? I mean, it's the sure. same thing with with musicians. You know, uh, what's that? Uh, there's that one hit wonder song. Is it that is is, is that the bare naked ladies box set? Don't they talk about like how it's like one song that sold out and everyone thought he was a jerk, whatever it is, because you know. Uh, you know, he had, he had one good song. There was somebody's thing where he had one good song and everyone, all everyone does is talk about that one good song. And they, all they, all, all they ever want to do is hear that one song. Um, hmm. I, I, I go see a guy named Jeffrey Gaines whenever he's in town, who's this singer songwriter. And he had this song called hero and me back in like the late eighties, early nineties. Okay. And it's a great song. You, you know, this song, if you, if you look it up. But he is one of those people, and he's had, you know, a half dozen albums since then. None of them did anything, uh, you know, major. Uh, but you go see him, and he gives you goosebumps. 
You know, he's just one of those performers and I'll go see him till the end of time, you know, but every single show he does, he has to sing hero and me because that's what people are expecting. Right. You know? Right. And I think for him, I mean, I, you know, there's, there's a little bit of frustration with the fact that that's all people want to see or hear. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, did Bert, was Bert Stern pissed that people only really cared about these pictures of Marilyn Monroe? He probably thought of it as, you know what, this is my calling card. I'm going to make what I can out of it, you know? Uh, although apparently he didn't publish the book until 82, but maybe that's how long it took for it to whatever. Interestingly enough, he also co-directed jazz on a summer's day, which is a documentary film about the 58 Newport jazz festival. Uh, and it's in the library of Congress and selected for preservation in the national film registry. Wow. So he did something else, but who has seen jazz on a summer's day? I have, I've, I've never even heard of it. Right. But apparently it's a very, you know, he co-directed it. So, I guess my answer to your question is, would would I like to be, would I rather be unknown or famous for one thing? Yeah. I mean, do, do, would you, would you, yeah. If yeah. I was really proud of that one thing, I'd be fine with it. If I felt like that one thing was something that was one of my off days, but for some reason everyone loved it, you know, that would be frustrating to me. Because I would feel like you don't even care about my really good work and you like this just because this person died two days later. You know, this is the last picture of JFK. And it's like, OK, but it's a crappy picture. Who cares if it's the last picture of JFK? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I, I don't I, I, I don't know I, where I come down. You don't you don't think Kip Winger gets tired of singing headed for a heartbreak or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 17 is would, a great song. I thought that, that would get you going. That is a fantastic <laughs> lick. Who's the guitarist for a winger? Do you know what his name is? Nope. Oh, God, he's so good. He is a serious guitarist, that guy. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Just going to let him go. It's also interesting that Burt Stern came back from the war and all the rest of it right in the heyday of Madison Avenue coming up, the Mad Men era, right. when when photographers started becoming fancy unto themselves, right? Yeah. This this is when photographers sort of started to really be rock stars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and 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 it's interesting in the uh, documentary uh, site where they're trying to puff up Burt Stern. They're just like, you know, he along with. Richard Avedon and I forget who else they said, you know, some other fancy photographer, like, you know, Helmut Newton or whatever, uh, you know, redefined what it meant to be a photographer. It's like, okay, those other guys did. And he was along for the ride as far as I'm concerned, you know? Um, but you know, people, it's, it's all how you twist it. Right. You know, yep. Yep. Bill Wadman along with Jay Maisel and Joey L, you know what I mean? Like whatever. (laughs) Um, You know, like, am I really doing the same stuff on the level of those guys? No, but, you know, I can put my name in a sentence with them, and therefore I am. Hey, uh, before I forget, you just mentioned Helmut Newton. Uh, If if you're in the Southern California area, uh, Helmut Newton, new show at the Annenberg Space for Photography just opened over the weekend. And have it you is seen called it? Uh, uh, White Women, Sleepless Nights, Big Nudes. It is not the Bill Wadman story, as we were led <laughs> to believe in last week's episode. <laughs> it is, in fact, the Helmut Newton story. Did you actually go see it? I uh, haven't gone and seen it yet. We are going this week. Okay. 
supposed to be pretty cool, though. Uh, over 100 images and two new documentary films, uh, which I think both of them were commissioned by the Annenberg space. Okay, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the, yes, go see that, too. Uh, I, think we're, I think we're about done. Yeah? I think we, I think we got everything on the list. All right. Um, Big show next week, so be sure to come back. Uh, oh, we, yeah. It, it's going to be a good one. Uh, what, what, so, uh, rehash. Podcast at ontakingpictures.com. That's right. You should go join the group. We're at about 500 people now on yes. Google+. And uh, a lot of stuff gets shared. Good discussions go on. It's a very supportive community. Don't be yep. scared to jump in, and don't be scared to show your stuff. Yeah. What else? Uh, Bill tweets at Bill Wadman. I tweet at Jeffrey Sidoris. Uh, you can also check out fadedandblurred.com. Yep. And I think that's about it. Uh, yeah. So go read the show notes because there's lots of good stuff. 5x5.tv slash OTP slash 62. And uh, we will see you all next week with another installment of On Taking Pictures. <laughs> another installment. You like that? I do. I like that. Okay. the way